the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation, and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And Peter and I are hosting the show this Hi. evening. Hello, Pete. And he's actually um, pushing buttons right now. And we've got quite an action-packed show. First up on the show, we are going to be speaking with Tamar Hopkins, who is the former principal solicitor of Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. We're going to be speaking about some shocking, and I mean recent shocking, police brutality incidents that have occurred um, over this year. And we'll speak about the broken police complaint system as well and about police investigating police. We have interviewed Tamar extensively on this show and have covered various cases, um, in particular a case um, called Haley Michael versus Stontanditis, and which stemmed from allegations that the young men were regularly stopped by police for no legitimate policing reason and were subjected to racial discrimination, including assaults, abuse and racial profiling. We will be speaking about racial profiling, but basically during this interview, um, we're going to be speaking about the um, the complaint system and how that's failing victims. After that, hopefully, we're going to be speaking with Wayne Muir, who is the CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, and we'll be speaking with him about the same topic, but in regards to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders. It's approximately 4.02, and Peter's going to put some music on while I line up Tamar. Uh, this is outright. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and that was um, Outright, who are a, a local, um, very outspoken and amazing um, band, singing a lot about feminist issues and political stuff. And that was, and it's approximately 4.06 and we're speaking now with um, Tamar Hopkins. I'd like to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Tamar. Thanks, Marissa. Hi. Hi, Tamar. Yep, Peter's here too, pushing Hi, buttons. Hi, Pete. How are you going? Now, Tamar, I'm wondering, it's been interesting, hasn't it? The reason why we've invited you onto the show this evening is to talk about some of the latest, the latest things um, that have been happening with police brutality issues. And I believe... Yeah that, you know, there's a broken complaint system here, isn't there? And you've been on this show many, many times, haven't you, talking about this? You've done extensive research. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could talk about this and just give us a fresh update. Yeah, sure. So I don't know if your listeners have been updated since um, earlier this year. There um, There has been an IBAC committee inquiry into policing in this state. Um, The... IBAC, IBAC is the Independent Broad-Based 
um, Anti-Corruption Commission. And legislation has set it up to have a parliamentary committee that oversights how it operates. And after years of agitation, um, the committee this year has agreed to conduct an inquiry into um, whether or not IBAC is doing a good enough job with regard to police complaints. So um, earlier this year, the committee heard, held pu a public inquiry into how IBAC was operating and heard from a large number of community legal centres and community groups um, and also people from the police uh, about what was wrong and the overwhelming um, uh, suggestion from the community, recommendation from community groups, is that we needed an independent body to investigate complaints against police in Victoria and that we had been calling for this for you know, deca decades and that if the IBAC committee really wanted to do something about um, fixing the problem of police brutality in Australia, in Victoria, one of those problems, one of the solutions is to independently investigate complaints. So so it's really interesting that um, the timing of, of the recent um, age reports into what's been going on. But I just, before we go to the recent reports, yeah. I just wanted to bring up um, an, uh, an issue that occurred right over the time that the IBAC committee was hearing um, from members of the community. Yeah. And that was that the... Um, Age did an investigation into a pseudonym, pseudonym used by Assistant Commissioner Brett Gearin um, on various forums, um, internet forums, uh, where he engaged in um, vitriolic racist um, language and sexist homophobic speech um, yes. under a, using a pseudonym and was... Um, Finally, this came out after an age expose um, into his conduct and uh, he immediately resigned as those details came out. So now the important thing to realise is that Assistant Commissioner Brett Guerin at the time was the head of Professional Standards Command. So that's the head of the body charged in Victoria Police with the investigation of complaints against police. So... Very, very significant that um, this kind of conduct was found in an officer of that standing. So very significant. I've, I've been. I was going to ask you about that. So it's really fantastic that you were able to bring that up because that's very useful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And it it really goes to the um, goes deeply to the question of whether the Victorian public can have any faith in. Um, we now have Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius heading up ethical standards and asking um, the public to trust Victoria Police once again with um, internally managing complaints by the public. And so he's asking the public to, to trust him and his organisation and yet we are aware that his predecessor was engaged in, you know, extraordinary um, levels of... Um, well, completely lacked integrity in his job. Um, and and then we all are also aware with, there's been a number of reports coming out from IBAC about talking about the fact that um, police are not managing to investigate serious complaints against them effectively. There are, um, you know, the inherent conflicts of interest. They're failing to, um, to speak to uh, witnesses, uh, members of the public, 
not collecting all the right information. So, so these are reports coming out of institutions, government institutions, mm. looking at um, the way Victoria Police investigate and finding serious deficiencies in 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 how it's doing it. So. This really, is, I mean, just all of those facts alone are enough for us to seriously question and say, okay, it's t- enough is enough. It's time for the Victorian Parliament to get serious and do something to change this. And then we have this extraordinary set of reports that came out last week in The Age showing very graphic footage of um, what can only really be considered torture um, of vulnerable Victorians in, in, in horrendously vulnerable positions being handcuffed and, and being abused um, to, for the um, satisfaction of the police officers who were present at the time. And, I mean, really, it's just... What's, what's shocking about this is really not so much that there is footage of it, yeah. but that finally this footage is available for the public to see and and that these reports are reports that people have been saying again and again and again mm, yeah. but without the footage to demonstrate that that's what's been going on so so we really are at a crisis point in terms of the complaint system in Victoria at the moment um, yeah you know it's very interesting because I, I like to actually have a look and do a lot of media reviews and, and research and I get quite annoyed by the mainstream media, to be perfectly honest, because, mm. you know, we've got our show plugging away, plugging away on all these stories, and yep. the media has has barely scratched the surface. Yeah. You know, and it's only when things are sensationalised yeah. that things come up. You know, I mean, what, you know, Horvath, the case of Horvath, that wasn't, mm. that wasn't looked at properly in the media, I believe. Mm, yes. So yep. it's interesting, just before you actually go into those reports, um, I think you, you've already mentioned this, but I wanted to just specify that um, he, Gurin is actually being um, inv- investigated by the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission, isn't he? That's right, yes. So, and he was, he was actually incite, inciting or racial profiling against Africans and Italians. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, so um, he had the the age reported on two um, internal complaints that had been made against Brett Gearin. One of them was um, a a complaint that he called a fellow officer, um, uh, and excuse my language, a wog. Mm-hmm. And that um, complaint uh, didn't go anywhere. It certainly didn't affect his rise to a very high level position within Victoria Police. But not only that. He was um, reported, and this is reported in The Age, to have said to a um, a group of police officers at the Flemington Police Station, um, he was said to describe um, people as towel heads oh. during, oh. in 2006, at a time when Flemington was in a state of crisis, there had been you know, a huge level of racial profiling um, in the area reported to the legal centre and we, our legal centre had been in the process of filing numerous complaints against the policing in the area. So the fact that Brett Gearin had be, was brought into the Flemington Police Station as the superintendent of the region and made a statement like that to the local police 
a police officer at the police station, Flemington Police Station, made a complaint about his language. Um, and that, but nevertheless, that complaint didn't stop his rise through the ranks to Assistant Commissioner of Professional Standards Command. So that, I mean, there's so many things that are deeply... Absolutely, embedded. About, yep. Absolutely, about what, what's going on. And it really kind of brings up, you know, his role in kind of masterminding the yeah. lack of Victoria Police mm. response, effective response to the entire complaint um Sister, um, set of complaints that was going on in the Flemington region as the superintendent there. And we start, you know, the penny really drops when when you kind of hear all these complaints and you recognise his own attitudes as reflected in what he, what he reported. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one wonders how on earth did this man get to such Correct. a level of importance within Victoria Police? This, this cannot have been isolated. Um, no. th- these complaints would, would not have been isolated um, and you know it's so so it and that makes you think well just how normalised is this conduct you know if it's so normalised that you could reach to assistant com- commissioner then what what I mean it's it's really deeply concerning about the entire culture. Um, I'm just really glad that you you've mentioned this because I've been wanting to interview someone about this for ages and haven't been able to get Lauren Caulfield in. She's been so busy with yeah. the Police Accountability Project. So it's good that we're able to d- discuss this because it is terribly relevant, isn't it? It um, really is. To the whole yep. saga, and I'm going to call it a saga, because the police complaint system is broken. You know, yep. if Ireland and over- other overseas countries can, you know, can at le- I mean, I'm not saying that they're better than Australia, Mm. But at the very least, they can they can have a, a reasonable complaint system. Yeah. So can we talk about these reports now, Tamar, just to mm. set that in context? I mean, I believe that um, the Human Rights Law Centre have commented on this also, and there's been yeah. a lot of news stories, hasn't there, about excessive force, racist policing and other police misconduct. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so, well, just just in the last week, um, there have been a number of um, reports by investigative journalist Nick McKenzie at The Age uh, where he has been... He spent the last few months working with legal centres and lawyers um, about their cases to uh, to explore not, not only the footage um, that they've been able to obtain in relation to their client stories but also the backgrounds... Um, for those clients. So this was really the culmination of a lot of work um, putting together what uh, what was going on in those in those cases. And I guess um, yeah, so so the one that that most people have have seen and kind of has drawn the most shock was the treatment of of disability pensioner John, whose psychiatrist had or um, I think I think she was a psychiatrist, could have been a um, some sort of social worker, called the police out of concern for his welfare, and police arrived at his house and, um, despite his his call his um, his request for him for them to leave, and then he was okay. He didn't want them to come in. Um, nevertheless, demanded that he open the door, um, and and when he finally opened the door and and pushed them away in 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 a very like non-aggressive it's just a yeah. like it was quite clear on the footage that he just didn't want them there and 
no one was being attacked. And what's, what's kind of interesting about these situations is that you see some kind of feeble um, response by some very ill person being treated as if it's the violent attack of a of a rampant criminal who um, who is you know could could cause a huge amount of harm. So the the overreaction by the police to this situation was extraordinary. He was taken to the ground, beaten, capsicum sprayed, handcuffed, and then um, sprayed in the face with a high pressure hose. Oh, over a long period and in fact once he had been that they stopped a police officer said no keep going I want to get this on my footage on my phone and and appeared to be taking images of of the torture of this man with this high pressure hose to the face now it's it's kind of it's unbearable to imagine what that must have felt like for that man John yeah Yeah, it's I mean this is akin to waterboarding this sort of practice of um, of what was going on, so it's it's yeah, it's there are no other words to describe it except for torture. It is torture. Yeah, that's so right. It seems like they didn't assess the situation; they just reacted, as you said. That's right. That's right. And and what it what it seems to be is that the slightest resistance or um, uh, like contempt for a police officer. Um, equals like it allows the police to have this incredibly overhanded reaction it it kind of um validates say an extraordinary display of brutality it's it's like it's it's amazing isn't it mm. so so these are really and each one of these stories has someone showing a small amount of resistance to the officer that is then treated in this extraordinary overreaction and brutal way so it's really you know contempt of cop is not a crime it's it's you know it's someone's kind of minor reaction to to what's going on somehow trying to assert their themselves in a powerless situation and yet the response that they receive is is this kind of extraordinary brutality so so that's um, uh, and and what happened as a result of, of that mm. is that initially, uh, when that footage came out, initially Victoria Police said, "Well, you know, we're reviewing um, the situation, and IBAC will be investigating." But that's as far as it goes, and that those officers, you know, they they know that their supervisors will be more alert to them, is and that they all? were, yeah. At at first, they were content to keep them. Oh. Retain them in the force. <laughs> Are you for real? Yeah, that's right. So that was their initial reaction for a few days, and then finally, after considerable outcry from the community, Victoria Police agreed to suspend them. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> pretty, pretty oh, amazing, isn't it? And yeah, it, that's broken. it. Shows it's 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 shocking because really, if this hadn't been rep- reported in the media, we wouldn't see this response. You know. It, it shows you the importance of scrutiny, yeah. the importance of transparency, and the importance of media as an accountability tool. So, you know, you and Pete there are part of this really critical accountability tool that our system needs to make things right. So, you know, I'm so for the media <laughs> and its role. Look, it's and look. I think it's really fantastic that the media reported on this issue. I think I, yeah. I commend the media. Yeah. However, if you, I'd really like listeners to 
do a little exercise sometime. Listen to the Do and Time show. Listen to that interview. Have a look at how much detail that goes into, and then have a look at um, the other the channels on the TV. And they just mm. have a, they do they show the footage over and over again, the screams and the the cries of torture, but mm. it's not really explained about the complaint system. Yeah, they'll do short quotations mm. from various lawyers, including yourself. But yeah. do they really go into a lot of detail? No. Yeah. But it is yeah. good, and and I think it's fa- it's it's great that you've described that. And I'm, I'm, look, we're going to be watching with interest about what happens with the complaint. I'm hoping it doesn't take twenty years to resolve. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, the, the, there's a whole lot of things going on. So obviously, there is an IVAC investigation into those individual matters. But really importantly the Victorian government should have its eyes wide open as to what's going on in this state and that change is desperately needed. So one of the more um, more concerning things that came out in the last week was Police Minister Lisa Neville's, um, uh, I guess, in, inability to, to be, to express any concern for the current state of police and describing these incidents as kind of exceptional um, examples oh, in a so. job that's really hard for you know really difficult. So very much taking a police association line in terms of looking at um, looking at these problems and echoing the the claim that Luke Cornelius is saying that police need to be able to manage their own complaints. And in fact, Lisa Neville drew um, as an example the health, um, you know, that, that hospitals investigate their own complaints against their own doctors. So oh. I, now I don't know if that's actually true, but no. we have to really separate the difference between what the police do Absolutely. and what doctors do. The police are engaging in, the complaints that are being made against them are, crim, are complaints of criminality. Um, and so they need to be investigated separate. I mean, we're talking about assaults, human rights abuses, daily human rights abuses. So these are these are so serious that they really they need external investigation. So there's Lisa nothing Neville, though. There's no it, external, is there? No, no, that's in, in right. In Victoria, that's I'm, right. I mean, I'm sure listeners are noticing that you're not speaking about solutions because there's none at the moment. Like all we've got is IBAC, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that's, that's right. That's in their control, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so it's. I mean, this is a this is an issue that the Victorian government can change by legislation, and what it needs to do is legislate to set up an independent body to investigate complaints against police. It would be possible to legislate to give IBAC the power to investigate all all complaints against police. Um, so that that is possible, but um, many legal centres have expressed concern about the culture within IBAC itself. It's it, at this stage, IBAC does not consider itself to be a complaint handling body. Yeah. Um, it really has been acting as a triage agency, and in fact, um, the head of IBAC made comments to the IBAC committee hearing suggesting that the police are the ones to continue investigating themselves. So that's really problematic that our independent body, while noting that the police investigate and investigations of themselves are failing or are embedded with conflict of interest, 
is still not recommending to the government that um, that it independently investigate. So, to to me, that shows a level of um, of well, that somehow well, I can't. Oh, corruption is not the right word, but it's somehow become embedded with within this attitude that, yeah. that police should be doing this. And where does that come from? But Where's it can the... lead up to corruption. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I know we have to be conservative sometimes in our language, Tamara. I understand yep. we have to be cautious. But, yep. you know, let's, it's fair to say really that when there is a, a, a failed complaint system, when there's a system where we're only looking at police investigating police, you know, there's so many things that, that can happen. I mean, I'm even I'm even having a look here at, you know, the clients of Robinson, Robinson Gill, Robinson, yeah. Robinson Gill lawyers, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That they were working with um, with the young education employee, Jesse yeah. Scarlett Rhodes. Yeah. Um, are we allowed to speak about that or not? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because she was handcuffed and hurled headfirst into a divvy van, wasn't she, causing yeah. head injuries and a fractured nose. Right. and charged by police after she made a complaint and then had her complaint dismissed following a police internal investigation. I mean, yep. how is that fair? And I I mentioned that example just to highlight that these complaints are often are dismissed. That's right, absolutely. A tiny fraction of assault complaints are substantiated, like a tiny fraction, it, um, the, and, and certainly none by... The Flemington Legal Centre that involved assault has been, um, been substantiated. So, really, it's it's kind of like this impossible thing. It just doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean that's right. And and the extraordinary thing in Jessie's case is that she went to um, the county court in a civil claim and was awarded eighty six thousand dollars by the judge in compensation, and yet the complaint system dismissed her complaint. So it really shows that. It, you know, if you compare the way judges are assessing yeah. um, the story to how the complaint system is assessing it, you see that, you know, one is independent, the judiciary, but the complaint system is absolutely not independent. It, it's, you know, there's an inherent conflict of interest there with police doing that job. And so that's why we're seeing these massively different results. Exactly. And, you know, it's good that the legal centres have gone together and done a media release about this, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, there's quotes here from Megan Fitzgerald, lawyer with the Fitzroy Legal Service. Um, Lauren Caulfield from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre has made a, a quote. And also um, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, amongst other other lawyers. That's so right. it's good that people have gotten together. That's right. And it's in, in fact, you know, the Law Institute of Victoria um, are calling for independent investigations. We've got, you know, that the support for this is goes well beyond the community legal sector. We've got commercial law firms, um, the mm. peak body for lawyers across the state, um, you know, youth groups. Yep. So it's it's a huge, broad coalition of people that don't necessarily always see eye to eye that are coming together on this this point. So um, it really highlights um, the the universality of what they're asking for, the the absolute need for what they're asking for. Absolutely. Keep up the good work, Tamar. Look, I know you're, you're still doing quite a lot of extensive research about this, aren't you? Yeah, and focusing on racial profiling. 
of course, at, yeah. at the moment, yeah, of course, and and that's really important. And we've we've discussed racial profiling quite a lot. We've we spoke about this today, but Tamar, we're running out of time. Are there any final comments that you wanted to make? We're going to be speaking hopefully with Wayne, um, who's the CEO of the Aboriginal Legal Service Fitzroy oh, Legal fabulous. Service next. That'd be great um, if he's available. But yeah, is there any final comments you wanted to make? Um, no, except that um, thanks again. Doing time show for for continuing to follow this important issue and um yeah and it'd be good to talk to you when there are more updates absolutely i hope we don't have to wait 20 years yeah absolutely (laughs) all right tamar thanks so much okay thank you take care bye 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 and that was tamar hopkins former principal um solicitor from um flemington kensington community legal center speaking about police brutality and a broken police complaint system and about police investigating police and offering solutions uh, for the fact that there should be, there needs to be an independent police complaint system. It's approximately 4.32, so we're hoping to line up um, Wayne soon from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. And we'll just put on... um a song from Spy vs. Spy, a great Australian band that was in the 80s, but I don't know what they're doing now. They're not around anymore, but they're a really good political band. And you're back with the, the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.36, and we're going to be speaking with Wayne um, from the... Muir, M-U-I-R, from the CEO. He's a CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Hello, Wayne. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi, Wayne. And Peter's here too. Um, It's great to have you, Wayne. Um, I've been trying to find you for months. (laughs) (laughs) You're working away there, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you, you, you track me down, which is good. Absolutely. Now, Wayne, I'm wondering if you would like to comment, and it's a very unpleasant topic, but we have to discuss it. It has to be said. If you could talk about your views or what's happening, how it affects Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders in regards to the broken police complaint system. Yeah, uh, by all means. Look, I, I probably qualify my comments by saying I've worked with a lot of um, police officers in Victoria Police over the years, and there are many, many good police officers. However, we have a situation where the police complaints process um, is not working for all parties and that's been evidenced by various IBAC reports and there was one fairly recently. I think if the system was running uh, as good as it was intended to run then the parliament wouldn't have necessarily called a parliamentary inquiry looking into this very matter and I might add that the same matter has been picked up by the um, Australian Law Reform Commission's um, in inquiry into over-incarceration of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So it's um, it's a large issue. It's an issue not just in Victoria. It's an issue in all jurisdictions. And I guess to give evidence to our concerns, we recently reviewed our uh, in our submission to IBAC, we included data from a study that we conducted of our own police complaints files. That is the matters that we put forward to IBAC uh, and police with regard to complaints. Of the 22 complaints submitted by Aboriginal clients, not a single one was substantiated. Now, that strike rate's not terribly good, and we would suggest there's a problem with it. Now, let me bring 
fast forward to uh, fairly recently. We lodged a complaint with Victoria Police uh, regarding the conduct of a particular officer. I won't go into specifics because we're still pursuing sure. uh, this complaint. But suffice to say, police tell us they've got a conflict of interest process in place. Well, I would suggest in this circumstance the conflict of interest process didn't work uh, or was deliberately overlooked. I don't know. But the officer assigned to investigate through the investigation process did inform us that, in fact, he'd served with the very officer he was investigating yeah. and that he thought that bloke was uh, that fellow was a good bloke. Um, I would suggest that that sort of commentary doesn't lend itself to impartial and independent investigations and that, in fact... Um, it didn't surprise us when we got the report back from the police to say a complaint was not substantiated. So our 22 become 23. Uh, we know that of the under the current system um, that the majority of uh, complaints are submitted, for example, to IBAC, uh, about 90% of them go back to police to investigate. Uh, I don't have the magic wand to say what the process should be. What I would say is the current system is not adequately serving all parties involved. Would it be fair to say, though, that, you know, it's not just a case of one or two bad apples, is it? You know, you, or the occasional error that, you know, it's, well, one of the it's things a broken the complaint police, system. Yeah. Well, absolutely. One of the things that the police uh, and sometimes the politicians point to is the lack of numbers of complaints. But if you have a society that um, is suspicious of the system in place, it does not have trust and faith in the system that's in place, then they will not engage with the system. So therefore, the numbers in of themselves tell a story not of uh, a lack of concern about police behaviour and conduct, but in fact, it tells you a story of lack of faith that society generally has in the police complaints process. But there's heaps of complaints. That, that, that's the thing. These politicians really try and camouflage, I believe, because there are just so many examples of, you know, it, it's challenging, isn't it? You know, the, the individuals tell their stories and they go against institutional power, particularly where there's been significant violence and structural disadvantage, and yet they're not offered protection outside the courtroom. Well, we, we, we hear, and again, it's anecdotal, but we have heard stories about when police... Sorry, when people have lodged sure. complaints about police, that uh, all of a sudden, where there was almost no police uh, patrols in the neighbourhood uh, and past the individual's house, all of a sudden there are substantial patrols past an individual's house. Um, we've heard anecdotal evidence of family members being stopped and questioned yeah. uh, by police more regularly, in fact, for the first time in some cases, when that's never occurred before. Now, Does that apply to Aboriginal part, people Part of the more, problem is that people won't complain about that stuff because right. uh, they, they, they say that there's a fear of intimidation and harassment. They say that um, they have no faith in the police complaint process actually delivering any results. And the sure. sort of statistics and data that I just quoted before and the statistics which the IBAC itself has found in uh, a file audits of the complaint system tell you that when there's only, and this is across the board, not just in the Aboriginal space, but when there's only 4% of the com complaint yeah. assault-related uh, and the outcomes are in 
that low percentage um, rate in terms of the substantiations, then people start to put the anecdotal stories about harassment and intimidation. They 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 put the stories around about how there's little or no outcome. And in our file reviews, that's the no, case. No. When I go to the point of our most recent example of a police officer openly saying to one of our lawyers that they'd served with the person they were investigating and that they thought that person was a good person, well, then it hardly surprises us that the report outcome says your um, complaint is not substantiated. Thank you, so Wayne. The impartiality, no, that, that's good. The, the impartiality of the system is, is what's it... Um, is, is what a, is it what is a concern for a lot of people at this point in time? Look, absolutely, and and I'm wondering because I mean, given the statistics that you know Aboriginal people are overrepresented in prisons, and uh, there've been a, a lot of Aboriginal deaths in custody, do you think, in in your professional opinion as a CEO of an Aboriginal legal service, do you think that Aboriginal people are, are more mar- marginalised and further impacted by the the, the system? I've been saying for some time uh, that I think the issue of uh, bias in the justice system needs to be looked at and uh, addressed. I've said that on a number of occasions and a number of forums, and might I add, that same question has been covered to some extent in the Australian Law Reform Commission uh, report as well. So it's not just me saying it. No, of course it's, not. It's uh, the Australian Law Reform Commission. It's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the community themselves. Uh, and there have been various other reports from the Ombudsman here in Victoria and others which point to uh, a concern in this space as well. Exactly. And in particular, you know, when there has been a, a deeply traumatic history in terms of colonisation and about historically how um, police have been instrumental, haven't they, in um, in racially profiling Aboriginal people. Now, I'm not saying all policemen are bad. I'm not actually attacking individuals at this time, but I am saying that the system does need to be um, uh, altered where police are not investigating police. I think you'd get uh, quite a lot of support out there in, in the community that would agree with you. Uh, both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, that there needs to be uh, a system that can demonstrate that all participants in that system uh, are playing on a level playing field and that, in fact, that there is a lack of uh, bias or conflicts of interest in that system and currently we don't have the confidence uh, that that's what's being provided to us. Let's just hope, Wayne, that it changes. I mean, in overseas countries it is totally different. Um, for example, in we, Ireland? Well, again, I, I, I simply point to the fact that there's been a major national inquiry uh, and it's picked up on some of those very points that you talk to and I would encourage the Victorian government and the Victorian police force to pick up on that inquiry and to think about ways that they can go uh, about addressing those inquiry outcomes that will go a long way to addressing a great number of our concerns, I believe. Wayne, thanks so much. Um, are there any other final comments that you wanted to make? It's been great talking to you. No, but we all but we all hope that there comes a day that we're talking about a declining number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people coming into negative contact with the justice system. 
with corrections and with police uh, and the courts, and that would be a good thing if we see that type of uh, statistical outcome. That is a downturn in those things. Absolutely, and 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 also, in agreeing with you, I also would go further and say that we're hoping that there's going to be some innovative programs, innovative programs to address um, stolen generation as well. Absolutely, and to that effect, we are advocating and supporting our stolen generations peoples, and we are um, talking to the Victorian government with regard to an appropriate redress scheme for stolen generations people, and we uh, will continue to advocate in that space as well. And um, we think there's more work that needs to be done in the early uh, intervention and prevention space rather than waiting till problems get out of control and people then find themselves in difficult situations, bring themselves, unfortunately, into contact with the justice system. We think if there's much more front-ended investment, um, long-term we'll see better outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It's very much connected, isn't it, Wayne? Absolutely. Thanks so much. We hope to have no you No worries, back. you're welcome. Keep Thanks, up the good mate. work. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we were just speaking with Wayne Muir um, from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and his position is CEO. It's approximately 4.48 and uh, I believe we're going to be doing some more announcements and music. Oh, we'll just put on um, Curb Carmody, Rivers of Tears. Yeah, good, good lyrics. It's approximately 4.56 and this is the Doing Time show. We've got about a minute before we go. And Beyond Zero is up next. And so tune into that. Tune into the Doing Time show every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. And we'll be back next week as usual. And just before we go, we wanted to thank our, our guests, both yeah. of them from Victoria. Thank you to Tamar Hopkins and also thank you to Wayne from the Aboriginal Legal Service. And um, it's, it was great to, um, to have you both on the show and to do some really, really good interviews about the um, police investigating police. And we're hoping that we're going to um, get more updates about what's going on that's not going to take 20 years. So thanks a lot. Goodbye from See Marissa. See you all, everyone. And take care of each other. See you next week. Bye. Black fella, white fella is up next.